Hello, it is Tuesday, April 27th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and it's time for another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA Podcast. Of the Daily Come On Now MMA Podcast. Start off with Dana White, I guess. So he spoke to uh, Sean Hannity, and here's what he had to say about politics and sports, and specifically the UFC. One of the things that I really try to do through this whole thing is stay out of politics. When people tune in to watch sports, they don't want to hear that crap. They don't want to hear what your opinions are or who you're voting for or what you're doing. They want to get away from that everything in their life and they want to focus on sports for two, three, four hours, however long a sport is throughout this pandemic. When you turned on the UFC, we never talked about COVID. We never talked about politics. And okay, I mean... Maybe that broadcasting is true, but the idea that the UFC stayed out of politics is a joke. We all know that. You can't say that we stayed out of politics and then you showed up at the Republican National Convention to pitch for Donald Trump while using racist dog whistles and and using the same kind of language that Trump used. You can't say that you stayed out of politics when a bunch of your athletes pitched for Trump and and I and won, I think, for, for Bernie and, and Kevin Lee. But you can't say that you're out of politics when when you're giving money to politicians and it's clear which side of the the coin that you are on as as Dana White, the face of the UFC. So you, and you also can't say you stayed out of politics when you invited the president to an event. And you can't say you stayed out of politics when you did a video about Trump after he was president and put it on your on your on your streaming site. You can't say that. I mean I mean sorry, you can say that, but it would be untrue. And that's what Dana White's doing here. He's trying to separate himself from the UFC and saying we didn't do this well we did Dana White did Dana White brought politics into the UFC by appearing at at the uh, at the RNC by stumping for Trump by giving money to politicians you that's that's being involved in politics and Dana White wants to be the face of the UFC well when you're the face of the UFC what you do, you represent the UFC. And so the idea that you stayed out of politics is a joke. So don't act like you didn't know what you were doing or you didn't get involved in politics when clearly you did. So, I mean, everyone that's in the sport can see through this bullshit. Maybe maybe the casual UFC viewer can't. Maybe Sean Hannity can't. But anyone with a set of eyes and a set of ears and any kind of active listening or active viewing knows that the UFC is, was, and will be involved in politics. And it's nothing new. It's nothing new. The, the, the Fertitta brothers did it with the, uh, with the union stuff. So it's not like this is something new. But it's just new in that we're whites trying to say that it's not happening and didn't happen. But it is happening, and it just happened last week. You can't say you stayed out of politics 
when the governor of Florida was on the stage and you guys were, were glad-handing. Can't say that. If you're going to say your state out of politics, then we don't want any mention of politics. And that's impossible. So don't act like this is happening. And don't act like one side's bad, one side's good. I mean, you you pick whatever you want, and you, you, you follow whatever side of the political spectrum you want, and that's fine. But don't act like the media is bad for bringing politics into it when you're the one that's also bringing politics into it. So I don't know what White's trying to do here, but whatever it's trying to do, it's it's untrue. Talk a little bit here about MMA management. So John Jones fell out with his management team with the Kawab brothers. Um, and I don't know that this is related to the Francis Ngannou fight and the rumor that Jones had asked for $30 million dollars it's suspicious timing. I'll 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 say that because White had said that someone had asked for thirty million dollars on behalf of Jones, and Jones said it wasn't him. And so then the well, if it wasn't him, then who was it? And then a couple of days later, Jones separates from his management team, which also I might add represents Derek Lewis, who is allegedly going to get the Francis Ngannou fight. So there's a lot of moving parts in this. And, I mean, from above looking down on it, you can have your suspicions of what went down. Uh, Kwa Brothers and Maki Kwa said it wasn't because of that. I don't know what Jones said, but I guess sooner or later there's probably going to be a John Jones tweet that he tweets and deletes about what really happened, and we'll probably figure something out then. But until na- until then... It's just going to be he said, he said, and here are our suspicions. But what I don't like about this, and this is writ large in this uh, example, is that you had the the heavyweight champion in Francis Ngannou, and then you had John Jones established fairly well off for fighting for millions of dollars already a, a few times, knows what he wants to fight Ngannou, and it's probably... I'm going to guess in the $15 million range. And then, so he's fighting not for immediate money. He's fighting more for legacy and knows he knows his worth and he wants what he's worth. Um, and he's willing to sit out for at least a while to get that. And then you have Derek Lewis who knows he might not win a title, but he also wants to fight as often as he can to get as much money as he can before he gets out of this sport. So I'm sure Derek Lewis has not fought for the amount of money that John Jones has. And so Lewis is going to be willing to take that fight for far less than Jones. So if Jones was asking for 15, Lewis had already tweeted out that he was gonna he would be willing to do it for eight. And I'm gonna guess less. If Jones comes down to ten, which I don't think will happen, ten million, Lewis is still gonna be lower than that. And with the UFC focused on profits above everything, well, where do you think they fall in this equation? They fall with the cheaper option. Now, that cheaper option might not make more money in pay-per-views, but it will at the very least make a set amount of money that they already have a deal with with ESPN. And so there's a little risk to taking the Derrick Lewis fight for the UFC. There's bigger risk and bigger reward 
for the Jones fight. So you're going to pay Jones twice as much, but you might make twice as much or more with Jones. And that's a might. So Lewis, you know the minimum you're going to make. And if you're going to turn a profit, and it's a guaranteed profit, UFC is probably going to say, I know John Jones sometimes gets in trouble. I know we've had to move an event for him. I know that he turned down a late replacement fight. All these marks are against taking that chance on John Jones. And so Derek Lewis starts to look better and better for the UFC. And then they go to Malky and, and the Kwa brothers and say, all right, we're going to pay Derek Lewis this much. And is that good with Derek Lewis? And management team runs it by him. It's yes or no. Meanwhile, Jones is out here in the cold and he's bargaining against another member of his management team. So it's difficult for a manager to say, I want to get this guy as much as I can while also trying to get this guy as much as I can. But this guy, Derek Lewis, wants less than this guy, John Jones. So it's a tricky thing with MMA management. And I don't think I don't think the fighters win in that case. I mean, Derek Lewis might win because he's the low bidder and he'll get what he wants. But what does John Jones get then? Nothing. And who wins the most in this whole equation is the manager. They get their money no matter what. Sure, they're going to get less from this guy, but they're still going to get enough. They're still going to get 10 to 20%. So 10 to 20% of 5 million. Okay, I'll take it. But you could get more here, but that's a could. And so they're weighing it too on, on what they want. So if I was a fighter, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with the uh, strictly UFC manager. One, because there's a low bar to entry to management in the UFC, which I think the UFC counts on. In other sports, you have to have advanced degrees. There's other requirements, but not in the UFC, not in MMA. You can say you're an MMA manager, and you're an MMA manager. And I think the UFC counts on that because the UFC is negotiating. Folks are going to be smarter and more well-rounded and better at talking people down than some guy off the street. That's just the way it is. Also, in the NFL and other sports, I, there's a maximum that a manager or agent can take from a fighter's, not, not from a fighter, from an athlete's pay. That's not the case in the UFC and MMA. You can take whatever you want because there's no barrier, there's no rules, there's no union, there's no representation. So that's another reason I wouldn't go with a strict, that's the reason I wouldn't go with a strictly MMA manager. Another reason is I don't like the conflict of interest. And this is, this is simply a conflict of interest. You have a guy that's willing to take less versus a guy that wants more. This guy's fighting for money. This guy's fighting for more legacy and knowing his worth. This guy says, I want as much money as I can as fast as I can. Get me that. And that's a juggling thing. And the, and you, the manager can't win and the fighters can't win. So I would say I want a management team that's small, that only represents one, maybe two people in each weight class. And I want something you know, written that says if it ever comes down to negotiating against someone else, well, maybe I can get an outside manager or agent to represent me for that specific fight. But they don't have that. We don't have that in MMA. We have two big management teams that seem to control the majority of the fighters. And 
I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And this John Jones, Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou thing is the exact reason why I don't like it. Um, Jorge Masvidal. I've been going on 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 uh, social media about Masvidal and his free Alexis Via shirt, and it it made me pretty angry that no one's asking about it. Um, uh, he allegedly spoke to Joe Rogan about it at some point, but Joe Rogan, I I don't watch, I don't listen to, uh, unless there's somebody I want to listen to. I think the last time that happened was Bill Burr. So, and also Joe Rogan's not not going to dig, not going to ask questions that dig into the relationship or the reasons that Masvidal's wearing this shirt. Another reason I don't care that Rogan spoke to him about it potentially is. That was on Joe Rogan's show. Joe Rogan doesn't have the reach of the UFC or ESPN. And that's where Masvidal wore this shirt on an ESPN pay-per-view event. And so ESPN and the UFC and Masvidal and his management team, which is the Kowal brothers, should answer why. Now, I don't have a problem with Masvidal. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't have a big problem with Masvidal wearing that shirt but, but if you're going to wear it, at least express why you're wearing it and go over the reasons. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it seems to me like everybody, you, you know, you want to be a hard ass and show your support for this guy, even though he was convicted of murder and kidnapping, but you don't want to, you don't want to answer why you support this guy. So if you're willing to wear the shirt, you should be willing to talk about it. And the MMA media, and this is a, more of an accountability thing, should ask about it. That's kind of the job of a journalist. And so when Ariel Hawani did a half-hour interview with Masvidal, and that shirt was on him the whole time on Masvidal, and the question's not even brought up, hey, what's up with the shirt? That strikes me as disappointing to be kind, a failure to be blunt. Um and I don't know why it wasn't asked. It should have been asked. Is it asked to save relationships? I don't know. Again, like I don't know why it wasn't asked. Was it a stipulation to not ask about it? If it was, well, then that stipulation should have went back and said, well, if I can't ask, you can't wear the shirt. So it's a difficult situation for MMA media, but it is a disappointing thing that no one's asking about it. And it's disappointing that the management team and MassFit won't speak up about it. And it's disappointing that the UFC and ESPN won't bring anything up about it. But I, I'm doing everything I can to even just make a note of it and try and push people on it. But I'm not getting anywhere because I'm not a favored person from management teams, the UFC. Um, and I, I don't know about ESPN, but they I'm going to try and get an answer there. Um but like I said, it's not about canceling Jorge Masvidal. It's about accountability. So let's use the example. Tom Brady was at UFC 261. If Tom Brady's wearing that shirt, I can guarantee you that someone's going to ask him about it. What's with that shirt? Who's Alexis Fia? But Brady wasn't wearing that shirt, and now we have a more compliant media team group in the UFC. And they're just not going to ask. I mean, because... If you're in the UFC, in the MMA media pool, you know who he is. You know what he did. You knew that Masvidal, I think, trained with him. You can find a picture of them in the Miami Herald together. And so 
the question doesn't get asked. It 100% should get asked. To not do so is a, a failure of journalism. And Masvidal should 100% be willing to speak up about it because he was willing to wear the shirt. And I'm going to keep pushing. If that becomes an annoyance, I don't really give a shit uh, because that's kind of what we're supposed to do in, in media. So I hope someone does ask him. I hope he has, the, is he's willing to answer. And if not, you know, well, then maybe he shouldn't put himself out there like that. But I'll keep harping on this. And hopefully at some point, someone who can get answers will get answers. Again, it's not about canceling Jorge Masvidal. It's about accountability. If you're willing to wear that, if you're willing to speak up about that, or at least show that you're you're vocal, I mean not vocal, but show that you're representing this, then you should be willing, able, and ready to speak on it. And MMA media should be ready, willing, and able to ask that simple question. All you have to do is ask what's up with the shirt and then have a discussion. That's it. It's not hard. I mean, that's the job. And if you're not willing to do the job, well, I don't know what to tell you. Speaking about media, um, Sean Sheehan brought this up. It was about white. I think it was the the discussion was white shitting on media uh, for a while that he's been doing it. And somehow uh, um, Sheehan brought up the schmo. And that white gives white gives uh, exclusives to the schmo and to Robbie at Barstool Sports, which neither would be considered the uh, quote unquote legit media in the in in another sport. I don't think you'd have somebody playing a character uh, being treated as legitimate sports media. And and in, in Robbie's case, I don't know him, but he's. He's made it clear that he is not media. He's a fan first, and he looks at things from a standpoint of a fan. And fine, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Schmo. I'm not criticizing Robbie, Robbie at Barstool. Those two guys are doing what they're doing, and they've built up an audience doing what they're doing. I'm criticizing White in that he'll say that the Las Vegas, Las Vegas Review Journal is shit and is not a legitimate media outlet but a guy playing a character and another guy who clearly states he's a fan first they are legitimate media so come on you can weigh that out you can weigh that out and so white picks and chooses who he decides is legit media and who he decides is legit media is someone who won't call him out and won't push him too hard the las vegas review journal did neither of those things. They printed facts about what the UFC had on their tickets and on their disclaimer. That's it. Now, I don't expect Robbie to ask that question because he asks questions from a fan's point of view. That's his thing. That's what he does. I don't expect the schmo to do that because it's controversial. He doesn't ask those kind of questions. That's what he does. I do expect real journalists and real MMA media members Again, not to say that they aren't, but I'm looking at this more of as an old school kind of this is journalism and and this is reporting on the sport in more of a fun way. And that's what they do. Fine. But the the L the Vegas Review Journal, they're legit media. I don't care what Dana White says. 
And it's it's funny that who he considers legit media is whoever's being nice to him at that time. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. Um, something else I want to get off my chest, and this is something that bothers me a little bit about this Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya thing, um, is that here's what Whitaker had to say. More or less, I was offered the fight about an hour after my fight with Gaslam, and he told this to ESPN. There was just no way physically I could do that. Not only do I have injuries from the last fight to deal with, I have to fly home to Australia and then two weeks in mandatory isolation. I have to see how my body was feeling, then I have to prepare all by June. It was impossible. And this is something I think that we we don't report on enough and we don't point out enough, is that the UFC says, here's the date, take it or leave it. And there's no way that a fighter can take it. But it's a title fight. And so many fighters would take it just for the opportunity. And I think Robert Whitaker, had he not had his burnout uh, situation where he re reweighed things and, and got his life sorted out and figured out this is important, this is secondary, this is tertiary, I think he would have taken it in the past and he would have fought at less than 100% and he probably would have lost because of that. Um, and I think that's what the UFC counts on. The UFC counts on fighters being highly competitive it also counts on them have, needing to fight and not wanting to turn down a payday. And so then they take fights at less than 100%. And that's why you get a fighter who you know, feels kind of obligated and feels that they need to take a fight. Robert Whitaker probably would have felt that way before he sorted things out. Another fighter might feel that way because you never know if, there's an, if you're shooting yourself in the foot in this case and turning it down might put you at the back of the line. Robert Whitaker is kind of, I think, good knowing that he deserves this and he's probably going to get a title fight sooner rather than later. But someone else that hasn't been in the game as long as Whitaker might feel more obligated. And that's what the UFC counts on. It counts on the low pay, keeping the fighters interested in taking the next big fight, especially a title fight because there's more pay involved. And then it counts on the fighters fighting at less than optimum uh, and and being, you know, so competitive that they want to catch that title fight as whenever they can, even if they're not at optimum um, physical shape or mental shape. And I think that needs to end. Um, the idea that the UFC is just filling holes with these title fights and filling dates with title fights is kind of gross. It kind of makes the point that the fighters are interchangeable cogs even more... Um, realistic, a realistic idea, because if you're just have your date on the calendar, June whatever, and Israel Adesanya says yes, so Robert Whitaker gets asked for that date. Well, what does that tell you? The date is more important than the fight and the fighters, and I think that's what we have here. Um, I think it's wrong. I think it's a shitty way to do business, but I think that's the way things are going to shake out now, post COVID. Uh, at least in the short term, because the UFC still has dates it needs to fill with ESPN and it needs to keep feeding that. Um, and you feed it with whatever you can. And if it's Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori, well, then it's Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. If it's Francis Ngannou against Derek Lewis, well, then it's Francis Ngannou against Derek Lewis. As long as there's a belt on the line, everyone from, the e from ESPN and the UFC is happy. Screws the fighters, absolutely. But 
the most important thing right now in the UFC is putting fights on, putting fights on, fulfilling its ESPN deal, giving ESPN what it wants. Robert Whitaker, you're an afterthought. Marvin Vittori, can you take that date? Sure. All right, you're in. I think it's gross. I think it's slimy, and I wish it would stop. Is it going to stop? No, no. But I, I want to give Whitaker his props for putting himself before the UFC, before ESPN, and before uh, filling a date just to fill a date. So good on Whitaker. I wish more fighters would uh, stand up and be vocal about why they had to turn fights down. And maybe then the, the fans will get a good idea of what's going on here. But I doubt it because Dana White will just spin it some other way. Anyway, that's all I have for today. I uh, will be maybe back tomorrow. We'll see. See if anything exciting happens. I think I'm completely caught up with everything I wanted to catch up with now. Uh, so I'm not going to force a a podcast if I don't really have anything but until the until the next time everyone stay safe